Hello everyone and welcome to the Palm Harvest Broadcast. I'm Pastor Mike. I'm super glad that you're tuning in. Today I want to invite you to look with me at a Bible story that is found in the Old Testament portion of our Bibles. Now this story is about a single mom uh, through whom God does really an amazing miracle. And so there are a couple of things that I want you to know about this mom uh, before we read her story. The first is this. The Bible describes for us in the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 how Jesus is just beginning his earthly ministry. We're told that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He begins to kind of preach in the surrounding areas uh, where he grew up. And then on one particular day, uh, we're told how Jesus... Uh, in his preaching ministry, returns to his hometown, to the village of Nazareth. He walks into uh, the local synagogue, a place that he likely attended uh, when he grew up, and we're told that there, in the synagogue, Jesus begins to preach. Now, in Jesus' sermon, which is likely, this is his first sermon uh, to his hometown crowd, he uses an illustration and references a story found uh, in the Old Testament about a single mom, a story that we're going we're to unpack together today. Well, as Jesus references this, this story in the Old Testament to the hometown crowd, they respond in a manner that might surprise you. The Bible tells us that rather than be supportive of this local, young, you know, budding preacher, Luke tells us that Jesus' words so upset the people that they th try to kill Jesus by throwing him off, off the sort of the neighborhood cliff. So here, here's a question. Why would a story about a, a single mom from Old Testament days upset the hometown folks so much. Any ideas? Well, let me give you a clue. The clue is this. It's because this woman whom Jesus references and, and sort of props up in his story is a Gentile. This woman is a non-Jew. And in Jesus' sermon, he emphasizes how God actually overlooks the needs of other Jewish women who were in the area to really help simply this non-Jewish mom. And in so doing, what Jesus promotes is a very important truth. It's a truth that we're going to unpack together today. So if you're taking notes in your Palm Harvest app, this is the big idea for our conversation. Write this down. And that is, God's grace and activity is inclusive. God's grace and activity is inclusive. Now friends, hear me on this. I don't know what sins you are guilty of committing. I don't know what wrongs may stain your life. But what I do know and what I do invite you to embrace today is the truth that God's love and forgiveness is available to everyone. That God's grace and activity is inclusive. Now hear me on this. You may have some people in your life who you have a problem with. You know, you may know some people in your social circles 
who rub you the wrong way and irritate you beyond description. What I want you to be reminded of today is that God loves them too. And in fact, I would even propose that God is even willing to work through them to accomplish his kingdom's agenda. God's grace and activity is inclusive. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn in it to the book of 1 Kings chapter 16. Now, Kings is found in toward the beginning of your Bible. It's, it's actually the 11th book from the beginning. And so we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and then 1 Kings. So it's the 11th book. And once you find 1 Kings, skip forward to chapter 16. Once you find chapter 16, skip down to verse 29. And then I want you to just kind of put your, your, your finger on that. So I'll give you a moment to do that. And then uh, we're going to kind of take an aerial view because I want you to notice a few things here. Okay? So you got... 1 Kings chapter 16, down to verse 29. Now, in verses 29 to 33, I want you to notice a few things. First of all, the Bible writer tells us here, he introduces us, if you will, to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Now, in these verses, 29 to 33, we are told that King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are incredibly evil. We've talked about this pair in past weeks. In fact, in verse 30, you'll notice how the Bible writer makes the point that King Ahab is the evilest king the nation of Israel has ever had. And in verse 33, you'll notice that King Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the kings of Israel prior to him. So King Ahab, what I want you to grasp here, church, is that King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are one evil royal couple. And not surprisingly, the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation of Israel, they follow their example. The nation of Israel under King Ahab's leadership sort of turned their back on God and their hearts towards sin. And not surprisingly, this upsets God, which leads us now to chapter 17, where we find this story of this single mom whom Jesus references, fast forward, in Luke chapter 4. Okay, so look at chapter 17. Uh, let's read kind of the first four verses to set the stage for our conversation. Now Elijah, that's the prophet, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kirith Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat the, what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Now let's stop there for a second. Church, why would God tell the prophet Elijah to hide? Any ideas? Well, it's not complicated. It's because Elijah confronts King Ahab about the king's evil ways, doesn't he? Elijah tells the king that basically because of his wickedness, God is going to stop the rain on the land. And you know what that means, don't you? No rain, no crops. No crops, no food. No food, no luxurious living. No luxurious living, no parties. No royal parties, no fun. 
And to make things even more dangerous for Elijah is he tells King Ahab that things are going to stay that way for a couple of years, that basically drought is going to continue to ravage the land until Elijah prays to God to send rain again. No prayer, no rain. No rain, mad king, right? That's why God tells Elijah to hide, because God knows that once this drought kicks into full gear, the king Ahab is going to be on the hunt for the prophet Elijah's head. So are you with me? So Elijah goes into hiding. Look at verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him, and camped besides Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now let's stop there for a second. You know what this tells us, Donus, don't you? It tells us that even the prophets of God suffered hardship. It suggests that even those people, even the righteous, can face tough times in their life. The brook dried up. Things are, things are no bueno for the prophet Elijah. And I think the transferable concept is, brothers and sisters, just because you're a follower of God doesn't mean that your life is going to be uh, free from necessary hardship and, and, and maybe even tragedy. If the prophet Elijah suffers, then we can probably pretty bet there will be times in your life and mine when we too will suffer. Okay, so keep going. Verse 8. Then the, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live, go and live. So this is going to be a long time now. Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Let's stop there for a second. Friends, notice here in this Bible story how God commands the ravens, the birds, to feed Elijah. And then how God stirs in the heart of a widow, a Gentile woman from, from Zarephath, we're told, to care for Elijah. So what might this tell us about God? Well, write this down, point number one, in your Palm Harvest app notes. And that is, God works through the least likely. God works through the least likely. Look at verse 10. So Elijah went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Stop there. Would you please, please bring me a little water in the cup? Would you please bring me a cup of water? Friends, this is no small request that Elijah makes, is it? They're in the middle of a severe drought. Water is scarce. Water is a high commodity. Bring me a cup of water, Elijah asks. And then as, as if that ask isn't big enough, he doubles down on his request. Look at what he says in verse 11. So as she was going to get it, because hospitality in that, in that culture was very important, as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Church, had the, had the prophet forgotten that they're in the middle of a severe drought? How could he make such a big ask from a stranger? Now remember, God had already told Elijah that a widow was going to feed him. 
And so I think that Elijah is really just simply trying to ascertain whether or not this is the woman. So notice how the woman responds, verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Now stop it there for a second. I swear by the Lord your God. So something about Elijah helps this widow recognize that he's a man of faith. I swear by the Lord your God. And there's something about this woman that Elijah recognizes that she's a widow. I don't know if it was the garb that they wore, if maybe widows wore a certain, you know, kind of robe and prophets of God or men of faith would wear certain kind of robes, you know, maybe like a police officer or a firefighter that would identify them for who they are. But for whatever reason, she recognizes that he's a man of God. And so she says, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. Now, brothers and sisters, don't miss this. Things are bad for this woman. She's a widow which tells us that she has no husband in a male-dominated culture to help take care of her needs. And as if that's not bad enough, we're told here in verse 12, she says she doesn't have a single piece of bread in her house. She's only got a handful of flour, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. In fact, she doesn't even have enough wood in her house to to cook this last meal. This woman is so poor and she has so little that she's got to go out and gather up and scrounge up just a few sticks just to make a meal for her and her son to eat before they then die of starvation. And now a Jewish prophet from a neighboring country is asking her to serve him? I mean, would you call... Elijah's request audacious? Maybe. Maybe. Unless God puts it on your heart to help somebody. Friends, God works through the least unlikely. The least likely. And the Bible tells us that God had already prompted, he had already instructed this widow to help. Now think about this. One would think that if God was going to feed one of his chosen prophets, one would think that he would have chosen somebody with extra, right? Somebody with money, somebody with status, somebody with stuff, but he didn't. Instead, the Bible, instead, the Bible reinforces how God chose to work through a single mom, a widow, A Gentile widow who had just enough for one last meal before she and her son die of starvation. So what's that tell you about God? Well, it tells me that I need to be careful not to minimize what God can do with my little. Friends, don't ever believe the lie that what you have or don't have can limit your usefulness. This Bible story reinforces the truth how God works through the least likely, how God's grace and activity is inclusive. 
You know, this prophet Elijah was asking this single mom to give him her best and only, was he not? This Jewish man was asking this non-Jewish woman to basically put his needs ahead of her own needs and, and those of her son. What would you have done had you been in her sandals? But you know the, the, the real deal here? In reality, this God wasn't asking this woman to make a sacrifice. Now stay with me on this. Though it certainly had to feel like it. Rather, I think what God was doing was he was offering this woman a way out. God was offering this single mom the chance to provide for her family. So what gave her the courage to trust Elijah, this man of God? What gave her the courage to trust God's whisper, to invest, really, her last morsel? I don't know. I don't have an answer to the question, but what I, that question, but what I do know, and what the Bible does make clear here in this Bible story, point number two in your Palm Harvest app, is that little is much in God's hands. Little is much in God's hands. Church, your limitations do not hinder God. Let that sink in. Your resources or lack thereof in God's hands is much. So the question for you and the question for me to really consider today is, are you willing, am I willing to share with others what I have? Will you, will I entrust to God everything? Verse 12, let's close up this story. So she says, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die, verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Interesting comment. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and her Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Let's close on this. Why do you think Elijah told this woman, don't be afraid? You know, any thoughts on that? Why tell this single mom, this widow, this destitute widow, why tell her not to fear? I offer you this. I think Elijah told this woman not to be afraid because Elijah knew that fear challenges our faith. Fear challenges my faith. Friends, where are you fearful today? You know, where are some of you maybe experiencing some kind of drought in your life? 
Now, it may not be a water drought that you're experiencing, but it could be a health drought. You know, I wonder if this COVID-19 virus is causing any of you to fear. Is it causing some of you to isolate? Is it causing some of you to maybe restrict your activity? Or I wonder if some of you maybe tuning in today are facing a love drought. Maybe the health drought is not your concern, but maybe a love drought is. Maybe some of you tuning in have experienced uh, maybe a relational breakup. Maybe you've been burned in a relationship and maybe now understandably you're feeling a little timid about putting your heart out there to be to hurt again, right? Love, <laughs> loving someone is dangerous, is it not? Or maybe you're listening today and you would say, you know, Mike, I'm in a, in a bit of a spiritual drought. You know, anybody tuning in, feeling a little distant from God? Friends, if you find yourself in a drought today, will you choose, like this woman did, to trust God? Will you lean on God for strength? Will you lay your worries and your fears in His hands? I'd like to invite you to, to pray a closing prayer with me. Would you do that? Hands open, heart open, just simply in your heart, in your mind, just, just say this prayer. Say, Jesus, right now, Jesus, right now I'm feeling fearful about, you fill in the blank. Jesus, right now I have some concerns about, what are they? So Jesus, I'm asking you right now that you would remove from my heart and from my mind this fear. And Jesus, I'm asking you right now that you would give me the courage to trust you. And so God, I offer you today what little faith I have, much like this single woman, this single mom offered what little she had. And God, I ask that today that you would grow my little bit of faith into much. God, please grow our faith, our little bit of faith, into much. And whatever drought my brothers and sisters tuning in today are facing, God, give them the courage to know that you love them and that you are for them and that you are with them even when things are hard, even when things are challenging. God, please grow our faith and take the little that we have and please grow it into much. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together and everybody said, amen. You know, church, I talk about this all the time and it's because I need to hear it and maybe you do too, but God loves you and he is with you, and he is with me, and he invites us to walk in faith, not fear. And so with God's help this week, you can. And as you know, just be reminded that not only will you personally benefit, but God is going to use you to feed those around you, much like God used this widow to feed the great prophet Elijah. So be God's messenger this week. 
Offer God your little. Be his hands and feet. So because as you and I offer what we have and we leave the results up to him, we can know that God's gonna touch people's lives. Why? Because God's grace and activity is inclusive. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you next week.